I'm going to begin this morning by reading from John's Gospel as he talks about the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. These are familiar verses, but follow as I read, beginning at John 18, 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. Now, before we go on, though that introductory verse tells us so much about the world in which this happened, a confusing world in which Jesus lived. Caiaphas, representing the Jewish priesthood, one power block, Pilate, not the P-I-L-O-T of airplanes, but P-I-L-A-T-E, who represented the Roman occupation. And this was the Passover time. There were thousands of visitors in the city. There was a lot of chaos. There were a lot of ideas thrown around. There was a lot of conflict. And there is also the mention of ritual defilement at the Passover time, which was a concern of Jewish people and wouldn't matter to Pilate at all. So Pilate, who will be our focus today, verse 29, so Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Well, that's kind of an interesting answer, isn't it? Yeah, well, if there wasn't something wrong with him, we wouldn't be here. But Pilate, thinking like a rational judicial person, said, take him yourselves and judge him according to your own law. And the Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. A collision between two powerful cultures and Jesus was caught in the intersection between Caiaphas and his Jewish followers, Pilate and all the power of the Roman emperor. And then in verse 33, Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Well, Pilate, I don't think this was a trick question. He was trying to uh, uh, catch Jesus and uh, charge him for that because I don't think Pilate believed seriously there could be a king of the Jews. There had been a number of people who had come forward in the times before this and claimed to be royalty and have a right to the throne, and they had all fizzled. So when he said, are you the king of the Jews, I'm sure he was being sarcastic. Verse 34, Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or do others, did others tell you this about me? And Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest had handed you over to me. What have you done? So you see in Pilate's mind, Jesus must have done something really awful to deserve this, but he couldn't figure out what it was. He's seeing things 
within the framework of his own cultural and religious point of view. Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. Now, this is esoteric Pilate's thinking about this world and how do I control things here? But Jesus is talking about another world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him again, I think in sarcasm, so you are a king. Jesus, verse 38, B, second half, Jesus answered, you say, I am a king. For this I was born, for this I came into the world. To be king, no. Here's what he came into the world for, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? We're going to stop there because as you see, the verse goes on to talk about what happened afterwards. There is no answer to the question, what is truth? Nor does Pilate seem to expect an answer. The very fact that Jesus chose not to answer is a profound answer itself. This is not the close of the conversation, but it's the beginning of the conversation. What is truth? It just floats out there. Our series of sermons is called Our Bible, the Question Book, because so many profound questions are raised in our Bible. And the one we're going to look at today is Pilate's question, what is truth? He didn't originate this query. The question, what is truth, has been going on as long as there were human beings. I mean, anytime a person goes outside and happens to push his finger against his eye and the window moves, was the window here or is the window here, raises the question, what is truth? Do my eyes deceive me? Or perspective can show us the truth. Here is a simple illustration of that. A cylinder, that's true, it is a cylinder. But if you look at it from one point of view, all you see is a circle. If you look at it from 90 degrees on the other side, all you see is a square. So a person over here is going to say, yes, that is a square or a rectangle. This person is going to say it's a circle. No, it's a cylinder. Well, they are all kinds of truths, but they're from different perspectives. What is true about last night? When you woke up this morning and your head ached, you said, what did I do last night? I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> but what is the truth about that? Your memory, what other people tell you happened? Or is it something deeper? This philosophical question is as old as mankind. But in the written history of humans, philosophy begins with the Greeks 
our Western philosophy and the Greeks beginning in the, ninth, in the sixth century before Christ. So 600 years before Christ and before Pilate stood and said, what is truth? The Greeks were asking, what is truth? Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and all of those great philosophers, those are the names we know, but there are hundreds of others because there were schools of philosophy. And they were all asking, among other questions, what is truth? I think Aristotle kind of got to the basics when he said truth is that which corresponds to reality. That's the answer to the question, right? Well, then why was another philosopher came across in his lifetime and then hundreds of philosophers since with other theories? No, it's not correspondence to reality. It's more complex than that. It's uh, part, being part of a web of belief. You have a certain belief system and that determines what is true. And there are arguments this way and that way. And then science, we can go to science because that's where facts are. When I get to the ultimate in science, what do I find? A thing called the uncertainty principle in quantum physics that says the closer you get to the origin of all things, the more questions there are. In the modern world, this idea of what is truth has uh, been taken to some extremes where politicians today operate on there's a thing called post-truth politics. You're familiar with it. And, and, and a lot of politicians, if, if an accusation comes out that says this happened, they're going to tell you exactly the opposite. Not just a little different, but exactly the opposite. Because somehow that becomes more believable. But you don't have to go to politicians. Go to what we call reality TV. What is truth? But you know what? I, I think I'm stuck with Aristotle. Truth, I know intuitively what truth is. You can fool me with all these questions, but that's a, a bench, and if I go over there and sit on it, I believe it'll hold me up. That's truth. So I have a pretty simple definition of truth, but you guys can get more philosophical. But this is just to tell you that this is not a question which originated with the Bible, but the answer originates with the Bible. The question is as old as mankind. Let's look at Pilate a little more closely. Do you know much about this man? Actually, from a fact point of view, we don't know a lot about him. But people have put together these facts about Pilate. He was a Roman born into a class called equestrian that has the, sounds like horsemanship, and that's where it started. But in the Roman class system, equestrian was kind of in the upper middle level. And there was a lot of opportunity for people in his class, and he took advantage of it. He got into a system where he graduated into leadership, and uh, uh, people of his class would have been educated till they're about 11 for boys, 
Girls, another story. You know, we'll get to them. We'll get to them a couple thousand years later. But you know, you get the basics. You get the things you can memorize: the numbers, the words, the spelling, arithmetic. And you, but it's not, you're not thinking so much, you're memorizing. And you're memorizing because the guy in front of you has a stick. So that was Roman education of young boys. Now if you graduated and you were privileged enough, you might go on to study more. And so probably Pilate was able to study more. We don't know how much more, but he probably did read Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. And when he said, what is truth? He probably was coming from that mindset. We're not sure whether Pilate ever was a military person, but he was a governmental functionary and he managed to have different posts in his lifetime. He was raised in a multicultural world and he was ready for a multicultural world. But it was a dynamite where he was assigned in Judea. It was a very explosive place. And there had been uh, rebellions. And to be assigned to governor and to actually last for a decade, because he was there for a decade, uh, that indicated that he probably knew how to play, play the role and play the cards. But there's also a kind of a what to say, Peter principle thing going on here. And you get the feeling about Pilate that he had risen to his, Peter's principle says you rise to the point of incompetency. Uh, and he had gotten to the place where that's probably all he could control, maybe. In fact, what we do know about him is that about four years after his encounter with Jesus, there was a revolt by the Samaritans up north and he, in his putting down the revolt, was unnecessarily brutal and slaughtered a lot of people. In fact, it was such an outrageous overreaction that he was recalled to Rome. We know nothing about what happened to him after that. Of course, that doesn't mean we can't make up things. So the early church made up a lot of things about Pilate to fill in the blanks. And so we, we have, in the Western church, Pilate is generally portrayed as a villain. And therefore, after he left his position in Judea, he, he becomes worse and worse. And ultimately, even in some traditions, he dies by committing suicide. On the other hand, in the Eastern church, particularly in Ethiopia, the uh, Pilate, the, was seen as someone who was actually tried to work on Jesus' behalf here and that ultimately was converted, in fact, became a saint and a martyr. Quite different. But we don't know whether there's any truth to either of them. Let's go to chapter 19. This is a revisit. The, the what is truth question is just left out there. But in chapter 19 of John, after, well, here we'll read, beginning with verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. 
And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. All you Latin scholars, you know, that's ecce homo, famous line in Latin. Behold the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to the law, he ought to die because he has claimed to be the son of God. Who is he? And what is the truth about Jesus? Here is Pilate on the balcony. This is from a 19th century Swiss artist. That's the temple in the background. And here is Pilate pointing to Jesus and saying, behold the man. But I, I hear a voice more powerful, even though it wasn't spoken, pointing back at Pilate, saying, behold the man. In pointing to Jesus, he gets no response, but the unspoken response. He said, here is Jesus. This is all there is to him. But here is Pilate. This is all there is to him. Behold the man. Sometimes we hear discussions of your truth versus my truth. You know, it's so easy to say that. Well, that's your truth, but here's my truth. And of course, I, Aristotle and I <laughs> say, hey, there's only one truth, you guys. But are we live in a world where your truth and my truth may be quite different? Maybe we should look at Pilate and Jesus this way. Behold the man. This is Jesus' truth. Behold the man. This is Pilate's truth. And it, if, if you women will forgive the, you know, the gender thing, we still are the men, right? But sometimes we talk about, we're going to settle this mano a mano. All right? Man to man. Not facts versus facts, you see. But person versus person, behold the man. What truth does Pilate personify? What truth does he personify? Let me, let me share three, four things that stand out to me about Pilate. That kind of, this is what he says to me about the kind of man he is, what his values are, and what his truth is. One, Pilate lived in a world where you had to know your place. 
He was in that certain class of society and he had to know his place. There were people under him, plebeians and slaves, they had to know their place and it was his job to remind them of their place. But when he was with superiors, he had to know his place. Now he's with the Jewish people and he's trying to define a place for himself. And, and it's very hard, he can't get across his authority and, and it's frustrating to him. So know your place is one of his first values. And then um, another truth that he expresses is might makes right. And that, that's ultimately what he believed in when it came to rule. And that's why he got in so much trouble with his later uh, episode with the Samaritans. He didn't qualify that with wisdom. And then another value was that if you live your truth, live in the truth of the reality of what is, you will succeed. His reality was he was governor and he was the ultimate authority. But actually, he did not control or have the respect of the people. And so there was a built-in frustration that he was living out the reality of his government. And then his other value is expediency leads to opportunity. That's what I see with Pilate. He's trying to play the cards right. And he thinks that will get him a victory here and better placements in the future. And what I see about Pilate's truth is it's bumping up against a harsh reality and it's going to destroy the man. What truth does Jesus personify? Well, Pilate's first value of uh, know your place. Well, this man, Jesus, didn't seem to want to stay in his place. He was just a poor carpenter in an inferior society, but he just risen above that and never talk, talk about him and about being king and even being something more than king. And then the might makes right. Well, here was a man so powerful. His truth was so powerful that he didn't move. Uh, that's the most frustrating thing in a mano a mano fight, right, guys? If you ever take on that guy and he just stands there, he wins. Yeah, you might knock him out, but he wins. And living in the truth of reality, this reality, this harsh reality was going to take him to the cross. But his reality was greater than this reality. And it was going to take him beyond the cross to the resurrection, to his ascension, and to his eternal rule. And then expediency leads to opportunity. No, Jesus would not resort to that. Jesus would submit himself to the current realities that seem to destroy him. But his reality went beyond that. Jesus' truth, Jesus' truth is not a statement of facts but it's an overwhelming sense of who he was. 
there's a, a second century AD Roman emperor by the name of Marcus Aurelius, and he said this famous quote, the measure of a man is the worth of the things he cares about. Very provocative. The measure of a person is the worth of the things that person cares about. What did Pilate care about? Getting through another day, somehow emerging intact and going on to the next battle. What Jesus cared about was the eternal kingdom of God. The measure of a man. Now, when I thought about that with Pilate, I, honestly, this is what came to my mind. Bottom line, Pilate looks like this to me. How big is Pontius? So big. Feels like a little kid that you want to encourage so he doesn't get his ego smashed. So big. What do I think of when I think about Jesus? The measure of Jesus. Honestly, yesterday when I was thinking about this, I thought about my last conversation with Bob Lee in his hospital room. It's about three weeks ago. And he had just had a, a treatment, a dialysis treatment. So he was quite bright in that moment. I was surprised. And we, he asked about everybody. I think he mentioned some of you by name. And then at the end, I prayed for him. And then after I prayed for him, I realized he was praying. And he kept praying, and he kept praying, and he kept praying. And he prayed for people by name. He prayed for his family. And then I realized, as I was standing there with my head bowed, that he was in another dimension. And it was just him and God. I, I felt like I was in an intimate place I didn't need to be. And that's what I thought of when I thought of the measure of a man. A man who has given himself to the truth, not of his accomplishments or the uniform or his, his, his respect in the eyes of his family and others, but his relationship with God, who is the truth. Reality limits the truth if you're like Pilate. But if you're identifying with Jesus, reality infinitely expands the truth. If you're Pilate, you're bound to end your life in frustration. If you're with Jesus, you're bound to end your life in fulfillment. What is truth? So now when I think, behold the man, I think, behold the man. Behold the woman. Behold you. Are you like Pilate? 
destined for frustration and failure. Or you look like Jesus who embraces us with his truth, which goes beyond life circumstances. It goes beyond the grave into eternity. You familiar with a poem by T.S. Eliot, Hollow Men? It ends with this line as he describes people like Pilate. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. I hope that's not your truth. I hope you embrace the one who is truth. Lord, we thank you for the challenge from the silent one, for the magnificent presence of Jesus as he stood before these powers apparently helpless and yet the truth, the eternal truth. Help us fully to identify with him. Give up all our pretensions to pilot truth. Behold, this person in Christ, this person in Christ, this person in Christ. The truth we want to embrace. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.